right, welcome to the Basketball Champions League Coast to Coast podcast with you from Regensburg, Germany. I'm David Hine, and with me is Igor Jerkovic from Croatia. Igor, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm actually not in Zagreb this time around. I'm much closer to split Croatia, so I'm down by the sea. The sun is shining. It feels like it's July, not October or start of November. The sun is always shining around you, Igor. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you get used to this kind of weather. And it gets uh, worse when you have to lose the weather <laughs> and move elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, great week of action. Uh, finally, a uh, crowded game day for us, uh, even though it's just half a game day of what we used to have. Uh, some really good games, a bunch of close games, which is just another BCL thing to do. For sure. Uh, we... Um, let's let's start with the show with uh, with the team of the month. Uh, it's kind of hard, kind of kind of strange to say that after one round of games, I guess if you want to call it that way. Um, uh, so the team of the month is Marco Spisu from Sasari Dynamo Sasari, who is actually our interview of the week. Uh, we have him uh, later on in the show. Uh, he had 22 points, five rebounds, eight assists, and the win over Galatasaray. Stephen Gray from Peristeri in the big win over Ritas. Kyle Wilcher of Turk Telecom Ankara had 33 points, five rebounds, four assists against uh, in the big victory over Hapo uh, Bank Yahav Jerusalem. Grant Jarrett uh, uh, from Tashafaka. They of course knocked off. Uh, Ostend and um, Jerry Butsieya from uh, from uh, Limoges, who w- won their first ever game in the BCL against Igokea. And the MVP of the month, uh, not really a surprise, was Stephen Gray, thirty nine points, ten of thirteen three pointers, uh, plus seven assists, five steals. Uh, efficiency rating of 47, which is the most ever for a player in a BCL game. And he's the first player to combine for 25 points, five assists, uh, and five steals in a game. And by the way, he did all of that in 29 minutes, 42 seconds. Um, I guess just first off, uh, general thoughts about the uh, team of the month. And then uh, maybe uh, what do you think of Gray, who just was uh, unconscious with uh, with his shooting, especially from outside, like I said, 10 to 13. I mean, we could have had anyone else for team of the one team of the month because we had a bunch of great individual games and some people will feel like they had to be there, like uh, Axel Julien or uh, Shermadini or even David Holstein with his late-game heroics last week. But I feel like you can't say a thing about these guys. Pisu, Gray, Wilcher, Jared, Lucio, they were all really good. And as for Gray, he's kind of a legend around here in Croatia. He played in Zadar and was really, really good. Everybody liked him because they usually tend to like players who can shoot a bunch of trees in Zadar. So uh, he kind of, everybody followed him around, what happened with him. He moved to very steady and Feels like this is the season where where he'll go off. He'll be off the leash and he'll do whatever he wants. And if teams keep helping one pass away, like Ritas did, then he's gonna make you pay because then three pointers made is a record tied with Jimmy Barron, who also set his record in Lithuania. So uh, 
must be something in the air over there. Yeah, uh, Lithuanians are known to be uh, sharpshooters, and maybe when you go there, it's something in the water that you drink in the hotels there, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, all right, so uh, from, a, from a content standpoint, uh, since Igor and I both work also uh, from the con- on the content side, I had uh, 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 our, my first homegrown piece of this season, and I talked uh, to uh, Raghi Atar from... Galatasaray, of course, uh, people will remember him from Bandirma, and uh, he's uh, actually spent last season, uh, the sort of half of the the season with Skopje in North Macedonia, and so talked to him about sort of that experience and also coming back home and sort of his different mind frame. Had a pretty decent game in his first game back in the BCL for Galatasaray. And of course, uh, Igor um, is... One of his one of his golden uh, pieces of, of 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 written art, if you will, is the uh, the weekly power rankings. Um, I guess Igor, which team in the rankings, which come out on Monday, uh, do you will will surprise readers the most, and why? Uh, which team? Um, I'm gonna say Tofash, Nimburg, Ajax, Shole, Holon, Smoky Moon. Falco, Nizhny, <laughs> and I guess who else? Burgos and uh, Brindisi, because they haven't played a game and they're going to be in the power rankings. <laughs> so that's going to be the toughest part. That's why I keep on including, like, I keep saying about the power rankings. It's not, it's not all about just the BCL. It's about the domestic leagues and uh, uh, everything else that's going on with the team. Because you can be a three and O team in BCL and a struggling two and fifteen team and your own league. Uh, the overall sense of that team won't be that you're afraid of it. It will be the overwhelming sense of 2-15 and 15 at home. I can keep on thinking about Telecom Baskets born. Mm-hmm, exactly. Problem. So basically, this is not an isolated competition. This is The team is the same that plays over the weekend and over the week. So basically, if you put together two pieces of competition like that and try to figure out who's in the best form, who's in the best run, uh, who's in the worst form. So basically, you have some solid ground on getting a real feel of that team. And I got to say, I'm kind of proud of last season power rankings because they obviously didn't go all the way because of the season and the way it's out. But I kept on having Burgos way up there in the final four. Uh, I had Jerusalem up there, Turk Telecom, Dijon were probably second or third all, all the way. Uh, Nimburg were up there, so basically, and of course, Tenerife and the other Spaniards. It felt like the power rankings were real, the, the feeling was real about the teams who were playing really good basketball and were meant to be there at the end. Yeah, um, the one team I probably would have been fighting with that would have been Dijon, but I've been I've been kind of uh, hard on on Dijon, uh, probably over the life of this, of this podcast much more than I should have been uh, high on Strasbourg. I would say. <laughs> yeah, um, that's the thing. That's the thing because Dijon's success last season wasn't because of BCLs or I don't know weaker competition that they had to go through or whatever. Because they were they were tied for first in France, and when you take that into account and their BCL record, then you feel like this is a really good team. Mm-hmm. Then they won the Leaders Cup, so 
basically there's something good going on. And as for Strasbourg, as much as they, you know, you keep expecting them to win, but they keep on losing. <laughs> so it's impossible to put them among the top five, whatever they do in the BCL, if they're not reaching the playoffs in France. I think that's kind of the way it works. Yeah, uh, we'll get to Strasbourg, obviously, this this uh, later on in the show. Uh, one thing, one team that, that I'm going to be interested to see what you have to say is Tofas, um, probably, the, probably the, the latest news right now. Um, they've ended up uh, hiring a new coach, um, Orhan, and has decided to step down. Um, after not a single game in the BCL, they were 2-3 and three in the BSL, in the Turkish League. Um, with uh, They lost to three games. They lost three games um, to uh, EuroCup teams, with two of those uh, games being on the road. Uh, and the new coach there is um, Hakan um, Demir, who... Uh, uh, BCL fans will know from the from his time with Bandirma, and I guess he was an, a consultant with Tofas. So him stepping up uh, into the position is not really that much of a surprise. But Tofas then this week um, or next week, let's say um, their first game will be under a, a new coach. So uh, interested to see what you have to say about that in the rankings next <laughs> on Monday. Exactly. I mean, it's, they're not going to be in the top ten for sure. <laughs> Well, with a two and three record at home, uh, that's also to be expected. All right, so so let let's uh, get into the action. Uh, we're not going to talk about every game. Um, well, we might mention a little bit, but in detail. Um, uh, let's let's start with Group E. We had uh, Ritas Vilnius losing at home to Peristeri, obviously with Steve, uh That was eighty eight one oh six. Stephen Gray obviously having the the big game and Feveriga, uh you know, really giving a scare to Sig Strasberg, uh, losing 75-77, of course. Uh, Bonzi Colson with the uh, with the fantastic three, and also the great call by by Jeff Taylor um, on the yeah. uh, on the three. Um, let, uh, let's focus on 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 the second game, Strasberg's win. You know, I mean, this was a fourteen point lead by by Riga and. Um, and you know lands down and and was just you know great all game and and then you know, Colson, uh, you know two threes in the final forty seconds plus the huge offensive rebound which probably pe- some people might forget that he rebounded that uh, that missed by Maé so um, you know we both we both uh, had Strasbourg um, we both had Strasbourg advancing if I'm not mistaken yes. I think so. Yeah. So um, I, I don't even remember it. Yeah, it was last week. It's too long ago. Um, <laughs> y- your thoughts? Your thoughts? I guess it was two weeks ago. Your thoughts about about this game? What you know? Go, you know, looking back and thinking about it, what were your uh, your 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 thoughts on it? I mean, first thing that really popped in my mind is that Befriga are a much better team than they were last season, and they got a great young guy in. Christer Zorix, you know, they expected a lot of stuff from him coming back home and, you know, as a 22-year-old, he's there to lead the team and he's done so. He scored 17 points. They were a plus-9 team with him on the floor. Uh, the other guys, are like, Shkele brings that kind of experience. He had 15 and 7. Uh, Kaiser is a beast down low with three blocks. Uh, Pinero and uh, Allman give you a lot of energy, so I really like the way they play. It's a 
much better team than last season. But that being said, if they are a much better team than last season, then I have no idea what comparison I have to use for Six Transport compared <laughs> to their years. Because this was an amazing game by them to come back from the deficit. Usually when you, in BCL, when you had a 10-point advantage over Strasbourg, that's game over. They were never coming back from those deficits. Like It just never felt the way that they could be in the position to win a game. They did have a couple of comebacks, but I can't remember them winning games like these. You know, it's usually the shot that goes against them in the final seconds. So basically, like it's good to see them uh, kind of finally get over that hump because it's all, it's all about confidence with them with the French teams, you know, like when you're in a, inside a locker room, con- confidence is a contagious thing. So basically this win could be much more than just plus two against F3 guy. It could be kind of the, the boiling point, which takes them further in the BCL and which gives them strength for the French league. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm going to talk actually more about uh, Favriga later in overtime, so I'll save some of some of that for them. But you know, they led almost 32 minutes of this game. You know, they, you know, they had um, they had control of this game for a while, and then they, you know, they kept on they kept on, uh, you know, really holding them at bay. Even though Lansdowne was really pouring it on, and, and even uh, Colson was really good, and, and and Jefferson, you know, kind of doing it. Uh, his thing at the point, um, kind of a questionable decision on 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 the part of the of the Riga coach to uh, send them to the line down two. It's kind of like you know they wanted to have the the possession, um, and uh, I don't know what what do you think of that? I mean, for for me, I mean, you know, you're up by two, um, and okay, if they hit a three, okay, you come back, and you try, but you know. Uh, that that seemed kind of questionable to foul them, send them to the line, that and uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand if you're, um, you know, obviously if you're up by three, you, you foul them on two so that they can't uh, hit the three. But what what do you think about them up two fouling to send them to the line? Well, it was a good decision because they didn't make the two shots. <laughs> the fouling wasn't questionable for me. I mean, it was a good decision to send them to the line because they managed to miss one of two under pressure. But the rebounding was the trouble. I mean, if you're going to foul them, bring in 10 people who are two meters and taller and box out and do whatever you can to get that rebound if you expected a miss. Because this wasn't a long rebound. It was right there on the mm-hmm. rim for yeah. the eight. Yeah. I don't mind the foul. I really like it because they wanted to. He felt good about his offense, coach did, and he felt like he can win the game with his offense. But uh, much to Yanis Gailitis' disappointment, they couldn't secure the final rebound. And even like on the last defense, okay, you didn't secure the rebound. It was, it was a good defense. Rasput didn't have a set play for the remaining five or six or seven seconds, how many were left. There's not much you can say about a guy hitting a buzzer-beaten three-pointer with a hand in his face. I mean, that's just the way it is. But the decision was good for me. I mean, they, they, he wanted to use pressure against Strasbourg. They missed the free throw, but then the rebounding is a problem. Because if you're going to do that, you have to secure the rebound. You have to have the tallest, strongest guys out there muscling and 
even if it takes another foul on the rebound, you have to execute the board. You, you cannot allow this. Yeah, I, I personally, I don't think I would, but I mean, coaches are going to forget more about uh, more about more basketball than than I'll probably ever know. So I'll, I'll, yeah. I, I don't I don't like to question uh, coaches' decisions really. So, but um, other game, Peristeri, um, anything from from that that you want to? Obviously, that was the the game where where Stephen Gray went off. Yeah, I mean, it was a warm welcome for Vitas and their fans because if they thought this was going to be a walk in the park, no, man. Uh, there's no easy games here. And all the other games proved it. Like, I think there was only like one blowout, a genuine one with Fortitudo and Bamberg, and all the other games were right up there. I mean, and that's kind of like the idea of the BCL. It's so unpredictable, and that's what makes it entertaining. And for Ritas, I mean, they weren't ready for Stephen Gray because, like I said earlier, cannot if, if the idea is to go under the screens or help off of him, that idea has to go to waste as soon as he hits three three pointers. But mm, yeah, like exactly. When you even even when you look at his even when he's got five, <laughs> yeah, like when he's got eight, you still have time. I mean, there's still four pointer and you're still alive. You can still stop doing that. Send ten people. To guard him and make other people <laughs> defeat you, like make the Panayotis Vasilopoulos defeat you, the Trey McLean and Marvin Jones and everybody else. But they didn't do it. I mean, when you look at the highlights of Stephen Gray, most of his shots were wide open. Mm. Not wide open, he had some distance. And for a shooter like him, who can go from zero to 60 in a couple of seconds, I mean, just an inch is more than enough. Just, just like Gilbert Arenas used to say, when I'm hot, if I see the rim, you're done. That's it. <laughs> that, that's the kind of attitude Stephen Gray has. And like, <laughs> I saw a bunch of uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter reactions to his game. <laughs> the funniest one was that it wasn't the 39 Shades of Gray that I did, but it was the... Uh, Stephen Gray is so, such a good shooter that he should be spelled like Steph Gray, like Steph Curry. So basically, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. I don't know. The 39 Shades of Gray is pretty, pretty good too, though. Yeah. Okay, thanks, man. All right, let's let's move to Group F. You mentioned Fortitudo uh, getting blown out 63-100 to 100 to, to, to Broza Bamberg in, from Germany. And uh, the game that we're going to kind of more focus on was uh, Redabet Bilbao Basket um, losing at home, seventy-two eighty-one to Pinar Kashiyaka. Um, I'll just let you start with this. Uh, what were your thoughts on on the game in general? And then I'll I'll, I'll uh, re- react to that. I mean, this this game kind of is a worrying sign for the rest of the league because Pinar Kashiyaka managed to beat. A Spanish team away from home without playing their best basketball. They mm-hmm. only had 4 of 21 from beyond the arc. Uh, Sek Henry was held to 2 of 8 shooting, had 6 points and just 3 assists. And they still dominate the game. I mean, they still have so much talent with them. Like they're, they're, you, you stop DJ Kennedy, Tony Taylor comes up. You stop Tony Taylor, Amat Mbai comes up. You stop both of them, Yunus Sonsirmach, it's a high-floating game-winning shot in the final minute to clinch it. I mean, just a loaded team, an excellent coach in Ufuk Sarija, and 
I'm kind of excited to see how far they can go because this is a massive strong team. Totally agree. Nineteen uh, percent was that uh, the three pointers, um, and and also that they were able to do this, even though Bilbao had a clear size advantage with uh, with Balvin, who was really at times just unstoppable. Uh, he ended up with fourteen uh, points and ten rebounds, uh, just but was a huge size advantage. I think a little bit was uh, the the sort of the the younger guys. Uh, from this Bilbao team, you know, and uh, and that they're not they weren't necessarily ready for some of the veteran leadership that Kashiaka have. Uh, obviously, we mentioned with Taylor and, and by both winning the the BCL title. Uh, but totally agree. I mean, and I I think this Kashiaka team is going to go a long way because they can. Uh, they could slow it down and, and they know how to run their, their thing. And they, you know, often they can grab offensive rebounds and, and, you know, and, and penalize, uh, punish people for that. Uh, so, uh, really excited. I thought this Kashiaka team was going to go far. Um, and like you said, going to Spain and, and beating a, uh, a team like Bilbao, um, the way they did, uh, it was close. Um, but you know, still, you, you had the feeling that it was pretty clear that Kashiaka would be able to do it. Yeah, and as for Bilbao, they can say the same kind of thing that we said about Kashiaka. It wasn't the best game, and they still were there. They weren't blow out, blown out. I mean, how many more games do you expect Jalen Brown to be at four points, one of four? Uh, Lude Hawkinson to be at three points, one, one of five? I mean, this was just a bad day in the office for all of them, and other than Baldwin, nobody really got it going. Seron did have a couple of good shots mm -hmm. late, but that's about it. And they scored only nine points in the fourth quarter. So that's uh, there's something to work on for Coach Alex Mumbrou. And I really like Coach Alex Mumbrou. Yeah, I like him sure. And his play calls are so original. And like Twitter loves him. You know, you know when you have X's and O's on Twitter and they're talking about European basketball, you're bound to find some sort of Alex Mumbu special in there. And also, he was one of my son's first words because my son kept saying Mumbu Mumbu. <laughs> it didn't mean Alex Mumbu, it meant the car, because that's the noise that a car makes. Mum, bru, mum, bru, mum. There it is. Very nice. <laughs> uh, with, with that, let's go to Group G. Uh, the big game of the... I think we can almost even say of the of the regular season. I mean, uh, looking at all of the games, really, you know, the two matchups between Turk Telecom and Hapobank Ahav uh, Jerusalem, I think are going to be fantastic matchups. Possible match, uh, you know, uh, you know, later matchups in the in semifinals, final. Who knows? Uh, Turk Telecom gets the best of of Jerusalem at home, ninety eight, ninety four. The other game was Limoges. Uh, CSP um, getting their first victory in the in the competition, eighty to seventy five over Ego Kia. Um, obviously, the big game, Turk Telecom. You know they had the eleven point lead late in the third, and then a two sixteen run for Hapoel uh, Jerusalem. I, I I thought that uh, when Brimo went out with his fifth with with his fifth foul. Uh, with about five minutes left, that kind of took the air out of them, uh, out of uh, Jerusalem, um, and and that you know Wiltshire was just you know that was one less guy who 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 could you know give Wiltshire a little bit of problems. You know Wiltshire did a lot of inside and and you know outside, not quite as much outside, but um, you know 
you look at uh, Michael Eric, he had 14 points, but none in the final uh, 27 minutes. He had 14 points after 13 minutes. Doesn't mean he wasn't a huge part of this, uh, uh, a huge part of this victory. But looking at this Turk Telecom team, man, they could play fast, they could play slow, they could play inside, they could play outside, and um, this is going to be uh, this is definitely going to be one of the best teams uh, in in this competition. What what were your thoughts about this uh, this game? I guess did it did it live up to your expectations? Oh yes, uh, I did call the game actually for Croatian TV. I did this game, we selected it like you said, it could be one of the best ever. And it really was 98-94, a bunch mm-hmm. of points, a bunch of great play calling from both sides and uh, just a sign of maturity from Turk Telecom to be able to win a game like this. So this is just like what I, when I talked about the final eight, I said that Turk Telecom just needed a couple of more days together, a couple of mm-hmm. more close games together, and they could have won the final eight because they lost their game by a single point. I mean, the quarterfinals. So this is what I was referring to because this is the kind of game that Tur Telecom would have lost a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago. Now it really felt like even though it was a one possession game late in the game, it really felt like there was no way they're gonna let this one slip. Even when Jerusalem went on what was an AT to run to end the third and start the fourth, it still felt like this is not enough. This is not enough because you still have to stop. A bunch of guys, and you have Brimo in foul trouble, and more importantly, they got Brimo into a brain game with Wiltshire and all the others. Like he kept on arguing, just wasn't focused, and they made the most out of it. Like you said, when Brimo was fouled out, you lose a lot. He was the top scorer; he had 18 points uh, up until that point. Like that's it. Even when he's not scoring, the gravity of his uh, offensive rebounding and his shot-making and everything takes away the attention of Chris Kramer and Deshaun Thomas, and they're able to go for big points. So basically, him fouling out was the the point where everybody realized, okay, there's no coming back from this for Jerusalem. Yeah, for sure. Totally see it. Totally see it that way. Um, the other game, any any notes? Uh, obviously, uh, Budise with his 25 points, 11 of 16 uh, on the f- uh, field goal attempts, seven rebounds, two blocks. Uh, any any thoughts on 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 the uh, on that one? Um, yeah, Phil Scrub, 11 assists. Yeah, he had seven points and 11 assists. So that's kind of the thing that he needs to do. That, that's basically, I mean, just be the point guard if you're not point guard by position because you have Ludovic uh, Bakehoods, then you have Marcus Nelson running the point but they aren't necessarily the guys who facilitate the offense and Phil Scrub is that guy and his reads out of the pick and roll are amazing and that's like a bunch of good seal shots were on his passes so just remember one like Late in the game, they were down five and they ran a middle pick and roll with Scrub and Bootsil. And the pass wasn't so tough. It was just like an overhead pass straight out of the dribble for a dunk for Bootsil. But it, it was so fast and so effective that Igokea were caught napping and there was nothing to be done. And like being from Croatia, I understand everything that Dragan Vajic, Igokea head coach, says at the timeouts. 
and I gotta say some of this stuff. <laughs> Basically, there's no way of translating it, and maybe it's for the best. <laughs> but he has a way of getting into his players and getting them motivated. Uh, I think like Igokar are gonna feel like this. This was a huge, huge chance to steal one away from Limoges in France. They had three straight three-pointers in the final minute. I was just going to say that. They had three. Two of them were really good looks. They had three threes, down three, 40 seconds, an offensive rebound, 32 seconds, offensive rebound, 24 seconds, two from Clemens, one from from Wilder, and all three went out. They were down by three, and that could have tied the game. Um, and you know, you mentioned it, they could have stole this game, you know, and that would have, that yeah, would have. And coach kept saying like, go after Boussiel on the other end, like mm. attack him. He's tired. He is worn out. Uh, he cannot stand on his feet. He's moving slower than at the beginning. Attack him, attack, attack. And uh, after one of the timeouts, they went straight to it, just lobbed it up there for a dunk. It was Clemens lob, village dunk, I think. And. After that, they just kind of stopped doing it. And he lost his patience like he was completely gone. And then to make it worse, Lucien was the guy who hit the clutch shot to make it a two-possession game. All right. Uh, Group H to finish off the, the games. Uh, only only one game with the uh, Heredes and Pablo Burgos game against uh, Brindi- uh, Happy Casa Brandisi being uh, postponed. Uh, we had Dashavaka. Uh, knocking off Ostend, Philo Ostend, uh, 79-74. I'll let you go first. Uh, your thoughts on, on this one? Uh, basically, two kind of points that stuck out for me for this one. Narshofaka is just another team in a long line of getting to know Dario Gerja and Ostend. <laughs> this is boring stubborn team they just don't go away like no matter what the difference is they're just so stubborn they keep on coming back they're running their same place they they do not flinch a bit no matter what the score is and it's amazing because they're super young and they got only one guy who's like super old which is Dusan Djordjevic and he finishes the game with nine assists in 17 minutes they know their role so well and I mean the way they're playing, I'm, I kind of feel like they could, because they lost the game by five points. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I can see them erasing that five-point deficit in Belgium, and I can see them advancing. But the trouble is, like, you need to prolong this for a, an entire season for Ostend. I think they haven't started playing the Belgian league yet, so basically... This is going to be tough for them. And it's always like that with Ostend. It's always close games, close calls, close to making it to the playoffs or not. So, I mean, I'm going to keep an eye on them. And I really like the way everybody hates them. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, you know, Fonda first, obviously, you know, you know, we talked about a lot about him last year, the, the young guard. Um, you know, obviously that much older, that much more experienced from what he learned last year. Um, and like you mentioned, this is their first game of the year for uh, first game since the final eight. When uh, no, sorry, not the final eight, the, the round of sixteen. Uh, when they when they lost the game three to uh, to Tenerife, they did have I don't know what other games they had, but I know they had two uh, exhibition games against Bamberg. Um, didn't really actually, to be honest, didn't even look and see what what happened. I, I believe they lost both games, but I know that they had at least those two games. But they haven't had an official game uh, since the round of sixteen in the in the BCL. 
uh, back in um, <laughs> whatever that was. Um, and I really, you know, one of the guys I was really looking forward to seeing how he kind of uh, uh, comes into this competition was Thomas Welsh. You know, I mean, this uh, this is a, a guy who, you know, was a pretty pretty uh, pretty prominent player uh, on the college scene. Uh, played for Team USA in the youth uh, in the youth ranks, um, and you know is a guy who's effective around the basket and and uh, and, and you know he that was a that was a, a really good matchup between him and Jared. Jared obviously we know made the the all uh, made the um, uh, what we, the team team of the month team of the month. Thank you. Um, so yeah, the, you know uh, for a, for a first game of the season basically. Five points, um, you know, in Turkey, like you said, I mean, they can win by five points. Uh, they can win by six points, and then you have the tiebreak over, uh, over, over, over Dashafaka. Yeah, I mean, I really expect Burgos to go and dominate the group, but you can beat Dashafaka in Belgium and kind of make the rest of the games easier for you. Uh, yeah, and then, and then and then win two games against Brindisi by one point, you know. Yeah, exactly. Lose and a lose other... a game by eight, win a game by nine, or lose a game by five, win a game by six, you know. The other thing that I, the other point which stuck out for me was how much Andrew Andrews looks like twenty seven <laughs> Jordan Theodore. Like that's the same kind of panache, same kind of attitude on the court, and if you have the same kind of attitude. Like the 2017 MVP, then you're doing something. But, uh, he had 20 points. He knocked down three three pointers in the third quarter, which kind of put some daylight between the teams. And he 20 points is a solid game. Uh, Jared kind of stole the stats with 27 and 8. And there was also those Osdemirovl uh, with 17 points and 7 assists, like their own. Turkish player, which is always nice to see. This is kind of a three-headed monster they've got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's an interesting team, and it's going to be an interesting group. You know, you know, we still have to see what Brindisi uh, is able to, uh, what 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 Brindisi has put together, losing a couple of pieces from last year's team, and uh, you know, Brindisi was a team that I picked to go to the Final Four last year, at the way way at the beginning of the season, oh. and un- <laughs> and and underperformed. I will say underperformed. They oh, lost. Yeah. They didn't make it to the final four of their own group. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, man. I know that. I know that. I heard enough about it last season for sure. Oh, All right, let's go. To, let's go to overtime. Let's go to overtime. Um, okay, overtime. Let's start with uh, stat of the week. Uh, you know, I'll let you go first. Uh, stat of the week for me is uh, basically if I'm ignoring uh, Stephen Gray and everything he did. Stat of the week is 41, and that's the amount of points that Six Strasbourg got off the bench. 41-15 edge and bench points against Vefriga in Latvia. That's what wins the game. And this is what the depth they have now. Because Lansdowne coming off the bench with 26 points. Uh, Ishmael Wainwright, who we know from Tekta, mm-hmm. who is a high-fire, high-energy guy, nine points off the bench. Jaromir Bohacic, who we know from Nimbur, coming off the bench with six points, four assists. Bench unit, second unit for Six Strasbourg could be the biggest improvement for Lassi Tuovi and his staff uh, over the summer. I'm going to stay in that game and I'm going to go with 18 
and that was offensive rebounds. Uh, and that turned into an advantage of 57 to 71 shots. So they had 14 more, sh- uh, they had 14 more shots than, than Favriga did in a game that's decided by two points. And obviously no offensive re- rebound bigger than, than, uh, than Colson's, uh, rebound on the missed free throw, uh, in the final seconds. Um, so. Remember, you remember the first podcast we did this season? I warned you about Ponzi Colson. I you warned did. you about the student, and I warned you about the rebounding because he led his conference and he was like the first guy under 6'6 to lead the conference in NCAA and uh, in, in rebounds. Like, he's a beast. That, that's just the attitude that he's got there. That, the workload that he put in for that final offensive rebound, that sums it up. Like, if I'm a coach of another team and I'm looking to bring in another forward, I'm picking Ponzi Colson anytime. I think the Strasbourg coaching staff and management are uh, just told you to shut up. Don't say it anymore. Don't spoil it. Also, like, this is the part that I really love about Basketball Champions League because our social media is so much different than anything else. And we did uh, or are going to do a segment on Halloween. And basically, it's uh, Ponzi Colson's last shot, but it's done like with a pumpkin, a scary pumpkin, and the bat flying out of the uh, rim. And I told Pierre, who is doing, the, who is in charge of the social media, to use a caption like, not Ponzi Colson, but zombie cold son. So basically, this is just, like, you you don't get that stuff in European basketball. I mean, that's the PCL we do. Like, we, we have fun with this and people like it. Exactly. Um, let's go to Did You Know? And I'm going to go to um, talk about Stephen Gray. Uh, 39 points. Uh, his, his career high. I uh, went back and I looked and he had 26 points. Uh, against Tenerife round three last season. Uh, pretty good. Had 32 points in the 15-16 season for Gravelines against La, La Harve. Eight of 16 on threes. But the um, the most points I was able to find, 35 points along with five rebounds playing for Gonzaga in November t- uh, 2010 uh, in a 79-76 loss to San Diego State. And somebody on San Diego State had 18 points and 12 rebounds. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. There you go. So oh. his, his mo- the most points he's had, maybe high school, I don't know. Didn't, wasn't able to catch his high school stats. But going back to Gonzaga, uh, 39, 35 points before that, uh, way back in college. So that's, do you, did you know? So what, what, do you, what do you got for did you know? Oh, I, I'm kind of on the same trace because I went with Gonzaga guys are running the Basketball Champions League because Stephen Gray, obviously, a guy from Gonzaga. And then you have uh, Kyle Wilcher. Yeah, there. yeah, sure, sure. Both of them on the same day going for 39 right. and 33. So the Zags are running the nation. I mean, <laughs> there's something like, I always liked the Gonzaga guys. Zach Collins is the last one that comes to mind of Portland Trailblazers and Sabonis uh, for him. And curious to see what Petrusha will do in his European career. Always like, what, like what, them because what was the Nigel? Uh, was it Goss Williams or something like that? Right? He's Williams, been over. Williams, yes, 
another guy, Williams Goss. Nice Williams Goss. No, Williams Goss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I mean, they're all kind of similar. They're hardworking. They got strong legs and they can shoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that sums it all, all about. But like, it's, it's crazy that a couple of guys from the same university they didn't play together. Wilcher came about uh, like a couple of seasons later. But how crazy is it to go through all of your life? You go around the world, and then on the same day in the same competition, you have the same two guys from the same university going off for thirty plus. All right, let's go to overreaction Friday. Um, your turn. Sticking with Turk Telecom, and this is the uh, most overreacted thing that I ever said in my life. But Burak Gordon. Run, runs Turk Telecom like they are an NBA team. Mm. Because this is the kind of thing you mentioned, Michael Eric scoring 14 points in 13 minutes. That's the thing that he made a couple of shots, they kept feeding him. Then after he missed the first shots, they went away from him and they started getting other people involved. Then you had like, first quarter was all about Michael Eric. Second one was all about Kyle Wilcher. Third one was about Tyler Ennis taking over and finishing with 16 points. And then in the fourth, you had Erdi Gulaslan hitting a couple of big three-pointers. Right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the way that NBA teams work. You have a hot guy, you feed the hot guy. It doesn't matter if his name is Kyle Wilcher or Erdi Gulaslan. And that's the thing that they're running, and I, I like it. It's a free-flowing basketball, and they have a plan, and it really looks good. They... I'm going to mention them a bit more later, but I'm just in love with what they did. I'm going to say that uh, even though they were playing without uh, Martina Sokoras and, and uh, Maurice Nindor was not uh, was not there yet, um, I'm going to say that Ritos Svilnas do not uh, get out of the uh, group group phase. Uh, and 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 the reason and the reason we I, I say that is something that we've been talking now f- for every episode um, about this season. Eighteen that could have been the stat the the stat of the week. Eighteen point loss. Um, yes. Eighteen point loss at home. Yes. At home. Um, that's, that's- and 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 the other two teams for you know in case you're not keeping track at home the other two teams in that in that group are Fevriga and Strasbourg, and 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 they're not going to be losing games by 18 points. I don't think either of those teams are going to be losing te- uh, g- games by 18 points. So I think that game cost them uh, a spot in the top 16. Mm. A right. true overreaction. A true overreaction. As as I as I'm very good at doing. Um, Positive surprise uh, is our fourth one, and and I'm going to stick with Fevriga. You mentioned it before, and and the what I wrote was this is not your Fev this is not your 2019-20 Fevriga team. This is an entirely different team. Um, and and you know you look at you look at you know Kaiser, um, uh, where you know Kaiser, uh, Allman, you know all these guys. I have my notes. All these guys, uh, Korzik's, uh, and, and this is just an entirely different team. And uh, you know, 
I, it's it's unfortunate, you know, 14 straight losses. Um, and uh, but you know they're not going to lose that many more games. Uh, I think this is this is this is a rock solid team. Um, and they and I didn't really know too much about them because they hadn't really played yet, and so it really didn't have a, ch- uh, a chance to to see what they what they had. Seven blocks uh, against against Strasbourg. They had six combined in the in the final five BCL games last season. Uh, so my biggest surprise, positive surprise, um, and 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 the, the the segment is positive surprise or negative surprise. Um, so mine's Fefriga. What do you got? Uh, I wanted to go with Turk Telecom, and they're going on a five-game winning streak to start of the season. They lost Lefes and then won five straight. But actually, like I talked so much about Turk Telecom that I'm gonna switch to others. So, uh, basically, what the most positive surprise for me is the level of competition from the, uh, let's call them outsiders, the underdogs. Like Buckingham were mm. leading by seven at one point in Tenerife. Uh, Keravnos forced overtime against Dijon. Uh, Lublin were there to win it against Zaragoza until that last second shot. Uh, okay. Yeah, this week you had Befriga, you mentioned. Uh, you had uh, Igokea leading for most of the game. And even Ostend, I mean, they're not the underdogs like the others, but they are the underdogs of the group with uh, Darushafaka, Burgos, and Brindisi also. And I mean, the level of competition is crazy good. Crazy, crazy good. Like, three games that we had uh, were decided by uh, less than five points, including the game-winning shot by Colson. That, that's the Wednesday games. Uh, Turk Telecom against Hapoel the day before, Bilbao against uh, Kashiaka. All of these games were really close. Uh, even Vilnius at one point were until they were blown out in the There's final. Five minute, points, yeah. It was there. It was there for the taking. Yeah. So the level of competition. I mean, I always said that th- this kind of league is way crazier than anything else in Europe but this season is even above my expectations with the first couple of weeks of games. All right, last segment. Um, just trying to figure out how to say it the best way. Um, biggest, best, whatever uh, transfer so far. We've had a couple already even though it's we're still very, very early in the season but um, I'll let you go first. I have a feeling I know who you're going to take um, So, but go ahead. I'll let you Ooh. go first. I don't think you know who I'm going to take. <laughs> Let's see what you got. <laughs> who do you think I'm going to I'm take? Like, no, I'll, I'll tell you who I think. If you don't take him, I'll take him. So. <laughs> uh, okay, I mean... Now I, I want to see who you take. That's <laughs> not who you take because I went with Retino Basoha. Ah, okay, yeah, he was. He would have been my other one, I think. <laughs> yeah, because I, I liked him since I watched him in Siriga Savellino. And he obviously played really good for Bamberg and was the... Mm. the, the PowerPoint, let's call it like yeah. that. If you have a point forward, then he should be a a power guard. Actually, power guard sounds much better. And he he could be the missing piece of Nimburg, which they lost when they sent uh, Rupnik to Zaragoza. Yeah, exactly. Uh, th- that was the other guy. I, I went with uh, Nick Johnson. Uh, to me, it's almost. It's almost a little bit rich get richer, um, but you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I mean, it's not even like he, it's a transfer because he last played for Turkey. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But you know, they did bring him in, and obviously, he played so well last year together with Wiltshire. Um, and I, you know, I, I really think if that, you know, they would have a great, they would have had a great chance to to win it last season um, if that season had been able to be played out as as um, as usual, as common, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, but I think that that. You know them. Them losing Sykes or you know Sykes leaving. Um, you know they they you know they obviously wanted to bring somebody in and and uh, you know this is a, a guy that that has already worked with this team. So I I I just think it's I said it already. I think it's the rich getting richer, um, and it might just put him over the top. Uh, you know he's not going to have to be worked that much into the team. Obviously there's some different guys on the team. How he works with Ennis together. Will have to be determined, you know, and but you know, this is a guy who really cares about winning first, so that's what I got. Okay, sounds good. Um, all right, so let's go to our interview. Uh, as I mentioned before, I had a chance to talk to Marco Spisu from Dinamo Sassari. Uh, enjoy that, and we will catch you on the other side. All right, so on the show this week, we have Marco uh, Spisu from uh, Dinamo. Uh, um, so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marco, thanks for taking some time. You're welcome. Um, you guys, uh, so sorry, opened up the, the 2020, 21 season, uh, with a pretty strong victory over Galatasaray. It was 93 to 84 and it seemed like you were in control, uh, for, for nearly the, the whole game. Maybe your thoughts in the first game of the BCL this season, uh, from a team perspective? Yeah, it was so important starting the right way for us, especially at home against a big team like Galatasaray. And uh, we start good. We play hard defense for all the games against the uh, talent team. And and nothing. We just bring a victory in our group that is so tough because there are, I think, two... Two great teams like Galatasaray and uh, and there is Tenerife that uh, they play for uh, for try to win the, the the cup, you know. So it was uh, was uh, was tough for us playing against Galatasaray, but we won. So so we are happy and we gotta keep going in this direction. And next week we got uh, Tenerife zone. It's a tough game, but uh, you know we we played good. So. I hope we will play against like this. And and you actually had a, a pretty strong game yourself. Twenty two points, uh, six of nine three pointers, as well as five rebounds and eight assists. How how would you describe your role with this team? Well, I, I don't like to talk too much about me. I like to talk about, about the team. You know, they they put me in the condition to to play my game. I just took the shot uh, where I have to took the shot you know and uh, even without them I can do I can do nothing you know so we play a good game everybody so I'm happy for that I won't just do my statistics because they kill the team I think so uh, we bring two points to the team and that's it we do have you on the podcast, so we want to talk a little bit about you. <laughs> um, okay. Let's actually talk about what it means for you to play with this club. You, you were born in Sassari, and and so yeah. what is it like to 
and we'll talk about your journey, but what is it like for you to play for your hometown club in the Basketball Champions League? Yeah, it's crazy. I talk a lot of a lot of time. The the, the journalists told me this this uh, this question, and it's crazy for me because uh, when I was young, I had uh, a dreams, you know, to play one day in the town of my city, in the team of my city. So uh, now I realized that, and uh, I'm proud, you know, because uh, I put my jersey into the Italy, into the Europe, and I have to show to everybody that. Uh, uh, this this jersey is like uh, for me is like uh, you know everything. Uh, there is my family. They came every time to watch me. Uh, other players cannot do that. So I'm very I'm very proud and I'm I'm very lucky, you know. And uh, you know it's a great feeling. Let's go back actually nine years ago on this Friday when this podcast comes out um, to October 30th, 2011. You were just 16 years old and you made your Serie A debut uh, against Milan. Uh, yeah. how, how do you remember that game? Wow. <laughs> I remember like it was yesterday, you know, uh, the first time you never forget, uh, especially when you are young. Uh, but it was like uh, we were down like 20 so the, the game was finished and the coach that the, right now is the, the national team coach so he's uh, told you know uh, he called me to go to the to the sub and I, and I was like man my city 16 years old I was coming into the game and I was like thinking about nothing I was like you know uh it was tough to to describe, you know, because uh, I think I know not every people there, but most of them I know everybody. So, uh, and right now I'm just playing for them. It's like a dream, you know. I work hard for that, for that, and uh, and I'm happy to be to be a part of this. You you played a couple of Syria games the following season, but really didn't play professionally in the city until 2017. We'll come, we'll come to that. But I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your road back to Cesare. You started in Bari, which is around the heel of Italy. And then you went up to um, Casta, um, Casal Pesto Loengo. Sorry about that. Near, yeah, yeah, near, yeah, yeah. near yeah, Milan. Yeah. And then, yes. and then back down to Reggio Calabria, Calabria, which is the toe of the boots before going back yeah. to near Milan when you went to Tortuna. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was basically between 2013 and 2016. The question, yeah. the question is, you saw a lot of the country through those years, living in a lot of different places, and, and, and none really a long time. Uh, but what were some of your favorite memories about, about uh, really some very different parts of your own home country? Well, I think uh, you forgot the last, the last, last year that I did outside the the, the island. Uh, we're coming to that. We're coming yeah. to that. Ah, okay, okay. So I will talk a little later. Okay, <laughs> but you know, um, when I when I took this decision uh, to grow up as a player, I think I, I need that because uh, I was I was like a young, you know, and I had to become a man. So I just took took a, this decision to go out, to be alone, uh, grow up as a man, grow up as a player, uh, grow up physically and mentally, and that's the shows that make me like you know here in Sardinia come back here. So 
I'm so happy that I did uh, this choice, and uh, and I, if I have to repeat this, uh, I will do that. Uh, I will try to to do with the young guys that told me like something, and uh, I will tell to them that uh, it's experience. You know, you have to go there without family, without uh, nothing. Uh, nobody helps you. You have to do everything by yourself. So. Uh, it makes me. It makes you uh, grow up as a player and first as a person. So it was it was good for me. And then uh, nothing. I'm a man right now. You know. All, all of those were loan agreements with Sassari, and and then in 2016, the club uh, agreed to send you to Virtus Bologna in the second division, Serie A2. Obviously, there's so much history with that club. What did it mean for you to be going to play for the Black V? Wow, it was it was crazy because as soon as that uh, arrived the calls, I was like, man, I have to go there because they got history, they got fans, they got everything. You know, it was uh, it was crazy for me. And then I just I just took five minutes to decide to go there, and I went there. And and then there we won everything. We won the the cup. We won the championship. We went in A one. So uh, I passed like a fantastic year, and I will never forget them. Uh, but they know that because every time that I go there, they 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 do everything for me. So uh, it's crazy. I got the feeling, a lot of feeling for, uh, with the fans of Virtus. Uh, with the city is amazing, man. It's always in my heart. So before we start talking about your you coming back to Sassari in 2017, I wanted to ask a little bit about your background. I saw you started playing football, I guess like yeah. any like any good young Italian does, um, and then and then maybe around seventh grade you picked up basketball. Um, I, I saw your mother used to play the game. Maybe what brought you yeah. to basketball? Yeah. Yeah, I was, when I was young, I was playing football and then I started to play basketball and I played both, you know. During the week, I was going to the practice of football, then change on, uh, on the, the car of my mom or my uncle uh, and put the shorts of basketball, the t-shirt of basketball, they went to the practice of basketball. So I was doing like that and I was pretty good even in football. But the end, you know, when, when you start to be like 15, uh, 14, the study, uh, the schools, you have to study more, you know, so I had to took a decision even for my family and I, and I decided to play, to continue with basketball because it was like, uh, I was enjoying more, you know, playing basketball. So that's why I took this decision and that's it. But I love to play football sometimes when I, when I see a ball, you know, I try to kick it to do some some shit, you know, and uh, it's fun. Um, I we always try to like we always try to ask the the people our interview partners um, what basketball is like in the city where they grow up in you know on the island Sardinia maybe talk about how basketball the scene was growing up in Sassari. Yeah, no, I was playing. I was playing the street, you know. I was uh, always out of my of my house. I was playing football. Uh, I was playing basketball. I was playing all the sports, you know. Uh, and then when you grow up, you got that feeling that uh, you are better, you know. Uh, you are better than the other people. So, uh, but you know, my my strength is to be humble and help uh, the other players. So that's it. And and who were some of your role models growing up, and and why? 
um, when I was in Sassari, there was, you know, Trevis Dinner as a player. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was watching him like, like crazy, man. I was watching Jason Rowe. Uh, there are a lot of players. Obviously, I was watching the point guard, you know, and uh, the one that creates something that passed the ball. Not uh, obviously, I, was, I wasn't watching the, the big man because I couldn't couldn't arrive in this uh, in this position. So I was watching the the, the young the, the short guys like me, and uh, they said I grew up like this. We like to ask our, the BCL fans to uh, if, you know have a chance to ask questions and underscore yeah. Gio Mar Mariani ask what is missing from the BCL to get it to the level of the Euro the Euroleague. Well, I think I think that uh, BCL is growing up at, uh, year by year, and uh, like uh, like Galatasaray came, a lot of team uh, came down, so came down, but. They, they don't come down because I think Euro Cup and BCL are, I think, are in the same same position. Uh, but obviously, with the Hero League, is like is like they are, I think, ten steps more. You know, they play, they got the big teams uh, instead of us. But uh, it's never to compare with the Euro League. You know, it's, there are different leagues. Um, Lorenzo dot Shiro seventy says, "Chal Marco, what are your favorite basketball shoes?" Wow, for sure Kobe. <laughs> okay. Right now Kobe four, Kobe five, but Kobe anyway. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> how, how much? How much did you follow uh, Dynamo Sassari growing up? But um, I mean, uh, when when they won everything. Um, talking about Super Cup, uh, Cup and Championship, I was playing in Reggio Calabria, and uh, from that moment I realized that it was a big team, you know, because they beat Milan, they beat uh, every big team, they won everything. So I thought that uh, Dinamo Sassari was uh, one of the top uh, top uh, top teams in Italy and then even in Europe. Then the next year they played the Hero League. Uh, the two years ago, the two the two next here they play Euroleague, so they become a good team in, in Europe, you know. And then and then in, in 2000, uh, 2017 you were you were uh, finally able to really come back uh, to your home club, yeah. and you're also playing in the BCL. How do you remember that 2017-18 season? Uh, oh wow! I was so so happy to come back, you know, because it was my hometown, and uh, at the same moment to play my first uh, BCL. So I was a little bit curious, you know, to to play this uh, this league for my first time, and uh, it was good. We didn't we did achieve our goals, but it was my first year, so I was happy to play, you know. And then came the magic of the 2018-19 season. It started with Sassari going uh, through the second qualifying round of the FIBA Europe Cup, and then really, really never being challenged. You know, you guys only lost two games all season, and then defeated Würzburg in the finals. How sweet was that experience for you, winning a European Cup for your home club? Man, it was uh, unbelievable, but. Um... We won everything, you know. You go, you go in all the Europe. You won, then you have to come back and play another game in Italy, and you won. So we were so happy, but like, like as a team, we were happy, and then we won everything. 
we, I won my first FIBA World Cup in Sassari, so I was like, uh, you know, not the king, but let me see this. But And uh, I was so happy, but not for me, but for all the people that came in, in, in Germany to watch us. And, uh, and that's it. It was uh, it was a day that I will remember for all my life. You you mentioned uh, the 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 supporters in Germany. I, I, probably the only thing that could have made it sweeter was if you actually won the championship at, in, in game two at home, right? You know, see yeah. your friends and family. Sure, 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 sure. But you know, in the square, you know. But uh, a lot of, a lot of people came from Sardinia, so. I was up in any way, and then we come back, and the fans make uh, us a party. So it was good, man. And then Sassari uh, so reached the, the game seven of the Italian League finals. Um, you guys were facing uh, Oman Araya Ven- Venice. You know, every time they won again, you guys even the series. But uh, game seven was uh, just too much. You guys lost eighty-seven uh, to sixty-one, missing out on the two thousand nineteen title. You know, you guys won the FIBA Europe Cup and uh, lost in Game Seven of the Finals. How do you remember that that series? Well, it was uh, it was amazing because uh, we arrived there uh, winning like I don't know, like I think twenty twenty one uh, straight games. So and uh, and we know we knew that we were facing a uh, good teams, but. Uh, at the end, we tried to win, but they were like they were playing better, you know. And it was so hot that but it's not an excuse. Uh, but they they won, so good job for them. Yeah, that that season also saw uh, Gianmarco um, Pozzeco come and take over as head coach in in February 2019. He was a point guard, and uh, he he played uh, with the Italian national team, won the silver medal at the 2004 Olympics and also played at the 1998 Basketball World Cup. Maybe how was your relationship with him maybe from the beginning and then how it's changed um, in the one and a half years that you've been together with him? Uh, by space because they give me the key of the of the team, you know. It's my, it was my, it was my rules and was pointer so he can give me like, he gave me like a hard advice uh, for, for play better. And uh, and that yeah, I feel that so I'm more uh, how you can say I'm more uh, focused on that I'm more uh, I feel like I'm better you know I'm more experienced player and and that's it I, I love to play for for him and I hope to play many years for, with him you know and then and then last uh, last season Cesari ended up being second in the Italian league when the when the remainder of the season was canceled due to covid-19 and and then the BCL you guys finished uh second uh behind Turk Telecom you guys had the same record um and and then you were facing San Pablo's Burgos in the round of 16 but because of all the postponements in Italy with the with the coronavirus outbreak pandemic uh, you guys um, didn't play for 18 days before game one against uh, at home against Burgos. Uh, and then you ended up losing uh, in Burgos as well and, and were eliminated. Maybe just talk about how tough it was for you guys um, to go into that game after, you know, going, you know, almost three weeks without a game. Yeah, it was tough because there was the national team, so a lot of players didn't didn't go to the national team. I went there, so I was in shape, let me say. 
and uh, but we lost game one and it was uh, the COVID-19 was uh, coming here you know and especially in Italy it was like uh, 15 days before in Spain because they didn't they didn't even know nothing about COVID and uh, we went there to play and uh, and it was two days in the in the hotel without practicing without doing nothing because uh, uh, the COVID was growing up over there, but even in Burgos, you know. Uh, so we were scared about that. And the coaching staff was telling us to play, to don't play. The charter was ready to go back in Sardinia. So we didn't practice for two days, but uh, then we play against uh, against Burgos, but without fans. But it was uh, tough, you know. It wasn't easy to play like that. But they beat us and then they won the, the BCL, so congrats to them. What? Let's 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 go to this season. Um, you know, we saw in your first game against Galatasaray, um, really, you know, that you guys really have a good team put together. What do you what What do you think that you know the season is still very very young? But you know, what do you think are some of the the your your team's strongest uh, points? But I think the the the, the stronger is the team, you know. We yeah. got uh, a lot of lot of good players, but uh, we gotta help more each other. That's our strength. If we help each other, we can uh, we can uh, we can we can have whatever we want, you know. Even in offense, in defense, uh, we got low post player, good three point shooter. We gotta just know our rules, you know, in the team, and uh, we will be good. And what about expectations this season in the in the BCL? Well, the expectation is always to to win, you know. Uh, but uh, you can you can't always win. You have to you have a you have a game. You have a team in front of you, so sometimes you can lose. But uh, the the good thing is to have a good attitude in the game, and uh, we did in the first game, so. Uh, I hope we will uh, we will have a good attitude even in the second game against uh, Tenerife. You mentioned that uh, the next game is coming up uh, next week um, against at home against um, Ibarro Star Tenerife. What are your What are your thoughts about going into that game? We don't want to we don't want you to give you any you know secrets or whatever. But uh, what what what, are, what do you what do you think about that matchup? This is a team that you know has made a lot of changes from last season and and. Uh, you know that that pick and roll between uh, Marcelino and Cermadini is is, is yeah. so effective. Just maybe your thoughts about that yeah. game? Yeah, we didn't talk yet about the, this game, but of course we know Marcelino and Cermadini. They are amazing player, and they won I think everything in Europe. So we gotta respect them, but but without fair, you know, we play home, so we gotta put uh, we gotta put pressure. We gotta be aggressive. And uh, play our basketball, and we will see who's gonna win. All right, fantastic. That was Marcos Pizzo from from uh, Dynamo Sassari. Thanks, uh, Marco, for coming on the show. You Appreciate welcome. it, you and uh, good luck uh, next week and the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, so uh, Marco Spisu, um what do you think about that? You know, you know, obviously, wonderful story of of uh, of a, a local guy. Uh, you know, we we talked about it last week with uh, ah with um, uh, Tenerife with the with the local yeah, guys. Canaries. Yeah, and then you have you know you have a kid growing up in Sasari and and uh, playing for the. What do you think of it? I always love love stories like that because 
I'm from Split, and we we always had guys playing from playing for Yugoplastica or Pop eighty four or Split later on. We always had guys from Split, and that was kind of the athletic Bilbao basketball. Even Zadar, another Croatian team, they also had their own academy, which was amazing. So they both went away from it. And Sibona and Cedavita in Zagreb also went away from it. Cedavita, obviously, now in Ljubljana. So we lost the touch of the community uh, with the team. And when I see it happening elsewhere, I always feel kind of nostalgic about it. Like, I mean, I can see myself and Marcos Piso watching these games and then growing up to play for it. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Philip Kurslin, who is now his teammate, had a similar kind of story because he grew up with Sibona watching them play the Euroleague and then got a chance to play for them when he was 16. So you love those stories, and I'm a big fan of Marco, and I keep hearing great stuff about him from his teammates and from all the people who are watching him. So uh, I think he could be the this could be the best season ever for him. Well, it's definitely started off. <laughs> uh, definitely started off uh, in in fine fashion. That's that's for sure. Um, all right, so let's move on to game day three. Just a quick, uh, you know, what we're watching. Uh, the Tuesday games are groups B and D. Dijon taking on uh, Nimbrook their first game of the season, and then Karavnos uh, against Tofas will be playing their first game. Uh, and then also Falco Sempate playing their first game against uh, Pulska. 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 Almost. Start Lubun, um, Lublin. Uh, that's the other game. The other game on Tuesday, Saragossa against Nizhny, hoping, hoping that they could get their first game, has been postponed. And then Wednesday is uh, Galatasaray against Bucking Bears. And, uh, and Sasari against Tenerife with Group C, uh, the very first games in Group C. None, none of the games have, have taken place. Ike, yeah. Ike Hapol, Holon, uh, Smoky Minsk against Cholet. So, maybe a game or two that you're watching. I'm going to most definitely watch uh, Sassari against Tenerife because it's the battle of the islands. <laughs> yeah, like, good one. <laughs> who's, the, who's the best island of the BCL? And Sassari have a great chance to do 2-0 and against Tenerife and Galatasaray. Uh, in the first two games, which is in that kind of group, it could be a huge thing. And the other game that I'm going to keep an eye on is the one on Tuesday between Falco, Sombati, and Pischolka Start Lublin, because that game could be kind of the game to see who is going through. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the way they played uh, Lublin, the way they played against Zaragoza was impressive. And you know that Falco can play. Like they showed it last season, they kept some of their guys, and they could be like a really, really good improved team. They could be like what we said about Beth. Uh, I think that something similar could be said about Falco after we see them play. Yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing them play. Um, the the other game, obviously, Cesare Tenerife is going to be big, but um, I, I wrote down plus 25 uh, Galatasaray against Bakken Bears. You know, we talked about who's going to 
you know, beat Bucking Bears by the most. Um, so Galatasaray's <laughs> looking at that. Uh, also, obviously, they get to the first win. The, the Dijon-Nimburg game, I think, is going to be fun as well. And, of course, we're going to see the first ever uh, – we missed it uh, two weeks ago. We're going to f- see the first ever uh, Belarusian team play in the BCL with Smoky Minsk. And uh, so it'll be the first game in the uh, in Belarus. Um, so uh, obviously looking forward to seeing history being made. Exactly. The, the perennial Belarusian yeah. uh, Belarus uh, champs. I mean, it's basically the Belarus national team with a couple of more games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what we used to call them because when we had to do the you know, pre-qualifiers for the Continental Championships and the World Cup, you had Belarus and you were thinking like, man, these guys play so well together. I mean, how come? And then you see that all of them are They play together, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Igor. Final thoughts? Uh, just hoping that we'll see all of the games. Uh, we already had one, like you mentioned, Zaragoza, and uh, usually postponed to a week later. And we actually have the new uh, the new calendar is up for the games which were already postponed. So uh, go ahead, the Champions League of basketball, and see for yourself. Uh, all right, fantastic. Um, Thank you for 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 following uh, the show. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter uh, and Instagram at basketballcl. Uh, like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we have there's the mobile app. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, the email address is info at championsleague.basketball. F- subscribe to the podcast on uh, on iTunes. All the games are live and on demand on livebasketball.tv. And uh, obviously the website is championsleague.basketball. So for Igor Jerkovic over there in Croatia, uh, I'm David Hine. Uh, Thank you for listening to the show and we'll talk to you next week.